0: This week, we welcome Paige Steinhardt, jewelry maker, bladesmith, and fortune fire champion. Hello. (laughs) Hello, and welcome. Thank you so much, Paige, for being here. I already thanked you in the pre-chat, but uh, officially, thanks for being on. Appreciate you. Um, Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, Before we get to talk to Paige, uh, because we've got a lot to talk about, I just wanna say hello to Aurora and Mark. It's been a long time since we've been able to get together and do this. Um, But hey guys, how you doing? Aurora, what's up? Where are you? You're in a new space.
1: Yeah, um, so I am at conference. Um, I'm a manager at Henry's for those who don't know. And uh, we're having our uh, annual managers conference right now. And uh, I just had dinner and then we were about to go play games, like board games and stuff. Um, but I decided I was going to run up here first and then nice. uh, go do the games after. So,
0: yeah. I did, I did make it to one or two managers' meetings. And I know that uh, there's a lot of activities that go on when it's all said and done. So, thanks for yeah. taking the hour and being <laughs> here. I'm sure you'll get to go do all that later and have your nice mm-hmm. early wake up tomorrow and have a great time being yeah. like super tired all day tomorrow. And-
1: <laughs> 7 a.m. start.
0: Yay. Right, well, th- thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, Mark, I know you and I have talked a lot about getting a bladesmith and talking to somebody who knows how to move metal on our we show. We have.
2: We have. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I wasn't going to give up this one. This is uh, a show I really wanted to be on.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, let's get to it. Let's start talking to Paige and finding out um, that whole creativity thing. Again, the whole point of our show is to talk to folks who have been able to. Uh, Be creative and turn that passion and that creativity into something that they can do every day. Uh, Nothing to me is more important than doing what you love and loving what you do. Uh, And would you say that applies to you, Paige? Do you love what you do and do what you love? Most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know I've done a little bit of- Sometimes I hate it. I can imagine. We've watched Forge and Fire and we should mention that you won Forge and Fire- uh, season four, yep. episode six, I believe. Correct. And uh, I mean that must have been an amazing experience. I want to talk to you more about the experience of the show, but we want to find out more about yourself and find out more <laughs> about where the cre- re- where the creativity comes from, how it started, and how you're able to transition from you know having a nine to five, say maybe if you had a nine to five where you had to you know wake up and do something that you didn't love into that thing that you can do that you do love. Um, and I know for a fact that, you know, forging is something that is a passion for you because I've seen the work you do. I've seen you on two different shows, not just Forge and Fire, but uh, Knife, Knife and Death as well, I believe. Knife or Death. Knife or Death, that's right. And wasn't uh, Bill Goldberg the host of
3: that? He was. Was he there yeah. for you? Oh, absolutely. Like uh, him and uh, Two Lamb and Travis Wurtz was the guy who uh, tested the blades to Make sure that they were actually safe to use before going out on the course. Well, of course,
0: Bill Goldberg's the first guy I go to from the wrestling world because that's, <laughs> that's what I do. I do the, the pro wrestling photography. Um, oh, OK. I also, yeah. I also was a commercial
3: photographer for
0: a while. I know. And I saw that too. So, okay, let's get to that. Let's talk about that. Is that what you did uh, your first kind of a career or what was your first official career? Cause I know when I sent you the email with the questions you sent back, what career? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. So what,
0: what would you call that?
3: Well, I got into photography. Oh, I watched star Wars when I was 11 and got hooked on special effects and all that stuff i wanted to be a cinematographer you know i wanted to be the next john dykstra um you know the guy who actually did the special effects for lucas um yeah i really i wanted to create magic on film and i couldn't afford to uh, get into cinema because at the time you know movies were actually done with a camera that rolled like you know silver halide coated cellulose embedded in gelatin um at obscene cost mm. so i figured out how to do it you know i I started getting into still photography and just trying to do the kind of composite stuff that he was doing um and a still camera thing and uh well i sold my soul of the yearbook for year selling ads to get access to a camera and then uh after a year of selling advertisements uh for the yearbook, I was allowed to use a camera. Six months later I had to stay fair blue ribbons and decided hey, I should I'm probably pretty good at this thing. I should do it for a living. I was fourteen at the time. Nice. And uh so that's kind of how I got started in photography. It's the uh, thing I went to college for. I went to RIT and
0: I've noticed with a lot of the photographers that we talk to, there's always another creative interest. There's always a music you side. Just,
3: you, you just kind of blanked out.
0: Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just saying that uh, I've noticed with a lot of the other people that we've talked to um, photographers in general, that there's always another side to their creativity. There's the music side sometimes like some of them are musicians and photographers um, <laughs> or other things as well. So there it is. Oh,
2: a little Gibson <laughs> SG going on there.
0: So let's talk about that, because one of the photos you sent us, you're playing a flute.
3: Yes, uh, flute. Well, you're just froze again. <laughs> Brian, am Brian, I, you're freezing all over the place. Is it just freezing Brian's again?
2: freezing, or is it all of us?
1: I have I have no connection issue with any of uh,
3: you guys right now. Uh, Aurora did a blank once. Brian has frozen multiple times. Uh, Mark, you've been fine so far.
2: Oh, well, there you go. Which is well, odd because my wife is streaming something in the other room. So
0: we, We're not really streaming much here, so yeah. hopefully it's not going to continue. Yeah, nobody's glitched for me
2: uh, since I restarted it. my system earlier.
0: So. It might be your side, page. might be. Uh, but we'll get through it. We'll get through
3: it. Yeah, we'll get through it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I play electric flute. I, walked, uh, I got into uh, listening to Jethro Tull. Electric uh, flute? Like rock and roll flute, flute, like
2: Jethro Tull. Okay,
3: yeah, okay. Wait, uh,
1: that's electric flute. I'm very curious. Uh, have uh, you heard
3: Jethro yeah, Tull Aurora? Yeah.
0: No. Okay, so we'll we'll do a little. Uh, we'll have
2: to do an introduction, and we'll get uh, Aurora into some Aqualung. Uh, yes. Yeah. I used.
1: Okay, okay, so this is a little known fact of me about me. Throughout high school, I played the flute.
0: But you don't oh. know about electric flute. Well, now I you did will.
1: not. Whoa! This one has so cool. this one has a
3: Barcus Berry pickup stuck in the head cork. And that goes to a – typically when I'm playing out, that goes to a preamp on my belt, which goes into a wireless, which goes into an effects rack, which uh, then goes into a wah pedal, and that goes into the PA.
2: Cool. Okay.
3: Okay. <laughs> Way to set up. That's so pretty So you can completely control it and get the, oh, the, yeah. the wah going and everything. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, actually, flute with wah works really well. Flute with a uh, fuzz pedal, not so much. Okay. Uh, you really need a corded instrument to make fuzz work. But uh, it sounds great with a wah, a little bit of echo. And Super I cool. I roll the highs right off because otherwise it can just cut right through you. Wow. Yeah, I guess sure. so. I also, I also do that with my fiddle.
0: Oh, and the fiddle.
3: And the fiddle. Yep. Of course. Of course. Yeah.
0: So you, you kind of remind me of my mother a little bit because she plays everything. Uh-oh. No, in a good way. My mother plays everything. She plays the banjo and the piano and the mandolin and she played the flute, and she played the violin. It like, gets ridiculous when people can cross over so many different things. I didn't get that. I, I hit things with a stick. That's that's about the best I could do. Um, but no, my mom and you apparently have this ability to play everything. How, did you take lessons in everything?
3: I started piano lessons when I was 5. I think that was close enough to when you know people normally learn languages that I learned music as a language. Yeah, the, okay. the language centers engaged with the, with the... Sorry, I just had Calypso walk underneath <laughs> me. Uh, Calypso is my tortoiseshell cat, by the way. Oh, Come a tortoise.
0: Come on, Calypso. We had a tortoise for 22, 23 years. See if I can coax
3: her. Come
2: on. Nope,
3: meow. Oh, <laughs> help. Yeah. I heard she it, I heard it. <laughs> yeah, she, she talks a lot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I started learning piano when I was five. And uh, so I think I developed it in my language centers. Um, so it just became part of what I am, uh, the music. It's and the how structure.
0: you think. It's just how you think, yeah.
3: Yeah, which was great for just, you know, kind of intuitively any any mu- musical instrument that has a linear way to get to the notes is kind of intuitive to me. But anything like brass where, I'm trying to do this and yeah, make 12 notes and, plus octaves I just don't get it my brain doesn't work with it and it made it actually harder to learn some of the more advanced stuff because you know the the relatively simple part of the music the structure the playing the knowing what to play came so easily that it got kind of hard to kind of hard to do the the, the tricky academic stuff because I didn't have to study to do the easy stuff
2: hmm.
3: yeah my okay. wife my wife's jokes about how I just walk on stage with somebody and they start playing and I just know what they're playing. That's pretty cool.
2: That's a talent I wish I had. I I can barely play guitar and uh, I play it because I like it, not because I'm good at it, but, uh, (laughs) you know, definitely. So, so you, do you actually play with a, like a regular group of people in in a band or, or shows or is it just something you do as a hobby?
3: Um, I'm sort of the optional third member to a modern folk duo right now. Okay. If they're, if they're doing a gig that is within reasonable driving distance and I'm not otherwise committed, I'll run down and just kind of just step in. Oh, I Do used it because be you like Yeah. I used to be part of the house band for a bunch of open mic sessions in Rochester, New York, before I moved to Syracuse. Um, okay. It's been a little hard connecting with the music scene in Syracuse. It's kind of closed. Okay. But, yeah, I've done electric flow or electric folk. I've done Celtic. I've done heavy metal. I was part of. I was frontman for a heavy metal group in the early nineties down in the Ithaca, The kind of song I wrote on local airplay. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, maybe, is dangerous.
0: Oh, geez, <laughs> that's interesting because this whole past couple of years, I mean, have you had that boredom come back? Have you been doing things that you didn't normally do
3: creatively? Um, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, going on Forged in Fire really pushed the boundaries of what I thought I was capable of doing. Uh, it it kind of pushed me beyond where I was ready to go. It made me go there anyway, and I realized that I was able to do it. Um, so between the you know between pushing the boundaries of what I'm capable of and opening up my options and giving me a whole new audience, I've uh, I've been crazy busy. <laughs> nice.
2: So is, is it all, um, like metalwork that you're busy with all the forging and knives and swords and things?
3: Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's knives and swords. It's, uh, making jewelry. It's making crowns, for, um, in the medieval society that I'm also a member of, uh, they call them coronets, um, okay. unless it's actually on somebody who is the king or queen, uh, of a kingdom. Um, then it's a coronet, um, I actually have one of them. See if the headphone will reach all the way back there without uh, knocking the computer off the desk. <laughs> challenges, <laughs> challenges of live podcasts. and uh, Oh, yeah. I, over. Wow. And cards, so. I didn't know where this interview was going to go, so I just bought a, brought a whole bunch of props with me. Well, we tend to go all over the place. So yeah, yeah, it's we, good that you did
0: that. It yeah, broke <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, we did So,
3: I hear a cat. I don't see the cat. That makes me (laughs) (laughs) worry. Good thing I made the studio safe. (laughs) It's literally, I have no idea where she is. So, this is all sterling silver. Okay. So, I uh, made the bands, made the patterns that I made the castings from i hear a lot of wrestling i have no idea where the cat is <laughs> um so yeah this is uh actually a considerable amount of sterling silver wave it up or the camera can see it wow. first yeah. rule of television you know yeah let the camera see what you're doing yeah right yeah yeah and Dude, that is really that cool I- so each one of these symbols on here means a different thing to the person who is wearing it. That is their uh, their personal device, their heraldry. Um, it is a visual representation of uh, their their name, theoretically. Uh, that is a pelican, which stands for service to the organization. Uh, that is a rose, uh which has its own meaning um, The fact that this thing has uh square topped bits has meaning means that the uh person who is wearing it is a count or a countess uh, meaning that they have been a king or queen once and have stepped down, so now they get to wear the thing um no. but anyway i do a I do a lot of these. Um, for people so, in the Society for Creative Anachronism, and they yeah. use a wide range of materials from uh, black and steel, bronze, gold-plated, sterling silver.
0: When you got onto Forge and Fire, was that were you making a lot of knives at the time, or were you really focusing on your jewelry and, and this kind of thing?
3: I was mostly doing the jewelry and the coronets. I was doing some fencing swords. Um, I sort of I wasn't doing a lot of knives because, for me, knives are more of a passion than okay. a real business thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'd sell some, but you know, most of what was paying the bills was, you know, day job and uh, making the jewelry and the cornets. so where are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with I, cats
2: they, they do what they want
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: and uh, then the dogs just have to live with it pretty much yeah
1: so, but yeah
3: uh, old handling quote I think
1: uh, so Paige I'm curious um, you talked a little bit about how you got into photography but how did you get into forging um, what I wanted a
3: knife and okay. I was 14 and my grandfather had this thing called a popular mechanics do-it-yourself encyclopedia which had directions for how you make a knife from a file
2: Hmm.
3: so after my parents went to bed i would sneak from my bedroom which was in the basement into the wood shop which was next to my bedroom in the basement and very quietly heat up a nicholson file with a torch to soften it. And then I very slowly and very carefully filed it and filed it and filed it and filed it. And, filed it and, filed it and, filed it. and I made this. Hmm.
1: That's the exact oh, wow. one?
3: Exactly. This is the first knife I ever made. I made this when I was 14.
1: Wow. wow.
3: That is awesome.
1: I mean, for the first thing you ever made, that's amazing.
3: Not only that, it was but it's still around. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah
3: you, well, it, want... you held on to it. I wasn't gonna sell it. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, everything <laughs> I wore this I remember... thing for years. So, did, did you
0: 14 years old and did stuff? I mean, nothing I have from 14 is still around. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so with,
2: with that knife, did your parents ever figure out what you were up to, or did you manage to pull it off?
3: Uh, I kind of pulled it off. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure at what point it became public, but.
0: I've always wanted to, oh, I shouldn't say I've always wanted to, I started watching Forge and fire in season one and I was just absolutely enthralled. I, I didn't know it was the thing. I didn't know you could do that. I did, People actually make, I thought they were made in a factory. Like I didn't know anything. You know what I mean? Uh, so when I, when I first heard about the show, it was a while before I could watch it. And I kept on seeing the commercial and I was thinking, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like how are people actually doing this? And then finally I got to watch the show and I started seeing how hard it was. And wanting to do it is one thing, but I've got psoriasis and you know psoriatic arthritis. And I, when I played the drums, for days afterward, my elbows and my my knuckles would hurt. And I just thought, oh man, the pain that you guys have to go through to do this. Uh, but I still want to do it. In fact, I've even got you know some things that I'm I'm preparing to eventually, if I could ever. I don't know if this ever works, but yeah, you don't like using these things. <laughs> <laughs> everybody everybody I know who starts off forging Gets a spike and Railroad spikes up.
3: are really Not the best thing to start well, with A lot of people metal, love them right? because they look like knives But they're actually harder To forge than real blade steel
0: That's interesting See this is why I need to talk to somebody Who knows what they're doing Because there's so he's much there. to know right. I know he's right <laughs> Here he is there See, I can't even figure it out. (laughs) See, even he
1: says he's right there. I'm not the only one. (laughs) So as, I guess, a beginner like Brian, who wants to get into it. I know terminology, but I know nothing. (laughs) What would you suggest would be the thing to start with?
3: I would suggest a bar of uh, what's called 1084 steel. It is a simple steel that has exactly the right amount of carbon for the amount of iron in it. So there's nothing left over on either side of the equation. Uh, it has the lowest forging temperature of the steel out there. The, the 1084 steel I use, I get from a, a guy in New Jersey. I don't know if uh, you're allowed to mention suppliers on this thing, but, uh, we're not sponsored. Yeah, is, so. yeah we're not sponsored. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, they put black tape over all the logos of everything. Unfortunate <laughs> uh, yeah. fire. I'm still finding black tape on uh, on logos and things. Oh, that's on, hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, uh, one of the memes that I, that I put up on Facebook a couple of years ago was yeah, black tape is for finalists.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah. Um, So uh, NewJerseySteelBaron.com, a guy named Aldo started it. He used to be uh, a plumber who made knives for a hobby, and he had an opportunity to buy some really great steel at an auction, so he sold that, and when we went through all of it that he had, a whole lot of people were like, hey, Aldo, find somebody to make more of that stuff. That stuff is magic. And uh, so he found a company that does uh, little melts of the steel that are exactly to the specs that we want it to be. And uh, at this point, he is the largest supplier of blade steel to the handmade knife industry. Um, Great guy. Still a little grumpy. Grumpy. But, uh, yeah, I've been buying steel from him literally since before he was officially in business, and uh, he's always treated me right. And his 1084 steel is what I use for making my forge and fire-winning sword. Nice. And uh, his 80CRV2 steel is what I use for my uh, knife-or-death sword.
0: So a lot of people don't know what all this means. Like you mentioned, it has the right amount of carbon – now, I, right. you know, Mark and I watched the show a little bit, so I can kind of understand. I've, I've tried to research, and the higher the carbon content, the the more you can sharpen it, but the more brittle it gets. Is that correct? We,
3: I mean, yeah, I know
0: it's of. a completely different thing. I'm not asking you to teach us to be Yes, yeah, Okay.
3: But, yeah, I, I get going on metallurgy, and I start dating.
0: I know it's a passion for you, and that's why I'm bringing <laughs> yeah. it up, because yeah. I like that. I like hearing when somebody's passionate about something. Yeah,
3: well, yeah yeah one of my, one of my friends' wives says, Hey, Paige, what kind of rust is it? <laughs> uh, get but, right into uh, it. so basically the thing that uh, takes iron and makes it hardenable is carbon okay and you don't have molecules in steel it's a crystalline structure, and things are things get weird with the with the crystal Arrangement, you got a you know, regularly repeating lattice of uh, iron atoms, and you got some carbon thrown in there. And the carbon is a little tiny thing that can duck in and out of where it needs to be, depending on how much energy there is. And when you heat it up, it actually moves to the outside of uh, the lattice when it gets to a certain energy level. Um, it's called um and that's actually an endothermic tran- uh, transition. So you can actually, if you know what to look for, you can see a little bit of a shadow and then it gets bright as a metal's heating. And then as it's coming down, you can see it gets dimmer, it gets dimmer. Then there's just a little bit of a brightening as it as the carbon atom moves back to the center of this uh, cubic structure and So, that right there is the critical point at which you get your transformation. If you bring it to just above that transformation and then quench it, the iron lattice goes and the the carbon gets stuck kind of on the edge. That makes a whole lot of tension, but that makes it hard, keeps things from keeps the iron from sliding over one another. And uh, at that point, you got what's called martensite. The martensite is the strong, hard structure, but it's also, in its untempered state, extremely brittle. So what you want to do is you want to take just a tiny bit of that strain energy out by heating it back up to usually I like around 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Let it sit for a couple hours. And just let that strain energy dissipate just a little bit. You get to keep most of your hardness, but you take a lot of the a lot of the brittleness out and so Ooh. that's hardening followed by tempering okay. and
0: 400 degrees i mean that sounds hot but compared to an actual forge it's like what 1200 degrees or something
3: higher than that higher actually than that. the uh yep so i typically run my forge somewhere around 18, 1900 degrees fahrenheit uh, when i'm doing hardening uh, I'll set my electric kiln for between 1,475 and 1,525 Fahrenheit, depending on what steel I'm dealing with. Um, let everything come up to whatever that preset temperature was. Some of the more complex steels, I have to give it a little bit of time at that temperature to allow some of the alloying elements to come into solution. 1084, one another reason why I recommend 1084 to... Uh, to beginners, although it actually makes really great blades. So I use it for a lot of things, including my Forge and Fire Sword. You don't have to spend really any time at that uh, austenitizing temperature. Once you get there, it's pretty much good to go. You can quench it. Um, You don't need fancy equipment to hold it at a temperature and then ramp it to another temperature and all that. You just bring it up to uh, 1475 and 1500 degrees quench it in the fast oil and then once it's come down to room temperature wipe it off throw it in an oven temperature for 400 at 400 degrees for three hours and you're good to rock and roll
0: awesome awesome cool. so mark when you get that uh forge in your backyard uh, th- there's space.
2: There's space. <laughs> Where's we'll the wood? It's out there. <laughs> I, I, ha- I have a, a an outbuilding that's not attached to the house that's far enough from the house and the neighbors that we could happily set something up back there and pound on metal all night and nobody's going to complain. However, I split wood for two hours yesterday and my arms are
3: killing me. <laughs> They're on fire. My hand took a story down for right, 50 That's uh, what I mean. <laughs> That's what I mean.
2: Um, so a uh, question about the, the sword. So I, I'm I'm seeing the show notes here and I, I have to ask. So the note says starting over totally improvising a store a sword out of leftover scraps of steel with less than two days left on forging and fire. Can I gotta hmm. know the story? So
3: <laughs> okay. So would you when they send you home to your uh your you know to your uh forty-five hours and in- in my season, they've shortened it up by ten hours, so now it's thirty-five hours of home okay. forge time.
0: Yeah, because forty-five was just way too much,
3: right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, people are playing off, are off Hail Marys like mine. Wow! Um, but they, uh, yeah, they send you. You know, you have the option of using a piece of steel that's, you know, pretty much equivalent to what Mister Baker used to make the final weapon example. So. And, and and this has come out as public knowledge from the judges, so I can actually talk about it.
0: Okay. Yeah, because there um, probably be a lot of things that you can and can't talk about. So if there's something you can't talk about, right? You understand.
3: Yeah. 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 yeah most of most of the stuff that uh, yeah, most of the stuff that uh, people ask about, the judges have actually already answered on uh, one or another of the another of the the numerous uh, forums and uh, fan groups. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you know, once something's public public knowledge, there's you know, there's really not a whole lot of a whole See, lot of secrecy left around it. But uh yeah, so anyway, uh they sent me uh sent me home with a piece of fifty-one sixty, which uh apparently is what Dave used to make the uh example sort out of. And I was working it by hand. I didn't have a power hammer or a press. And fifty one sixty uh has chromium in it, it moves really slowly. And I was trying to get you know, four and a half or so inches. I know you guys are in the metric system, but uh, no, we're good with inches,
2: inches. It's it's Actually, We <laughs> use both, we really use
3: both. Yeah, yeah. See, so doing the math of 25.4 you know, millimeters to the inch in my head, yeah. Um, Don't 100 try. plus millimeters. Um, anyway, trying to get four and a half inches wide out of this two inch bar, uh, hammering it by hand. I'd I was getting close, I was getting close, and I watched a quarter of an inch of width just fall off as oxidation because it had taken me so long to get there that I had literally oxidized a large portion of the width that I needed to hit parameters. And I got to the point where it's like, okay, uh, I'm not sure I can make this work at this point. Do I continue to try to beat a dead horse or do I panic and just try to hand something in? And I didn't have a big enough piece of steel to make a sword out of in the forge. I silly me, I I left my remaining 1084 full-length bars, which was all I had, because I didn't have time to order anything between finding out I was actually going on and when they put me on an airplane. Um, so I was, uh, woefully underprepared. Mm. Literally, I got there, I got back to the, the forge and the welding forge that I used, the refractory was still wet because it was February and there's no heat in my shop. And uh, I had literally poured it the day before I got on the plane. So I had to actually cure the uh, refractory before, uh, I could use it. Um, during my home forge time. I also uh, had to wire in an electronic uh, temperature controller into... uh so you're still the building outlet. the
0: forge while you're...
3: I, I'm still literally building equipment during Ugh. my 45 hours of home time because I had no time to repair, and I didn't expect to actually make it that far. I got home on a Friday, and the camera crew started on Saturday. Huh.
0: <laughs> Jeez. So that's wow. how it goes. You're 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 competing in the place and then all of a sudden you go back home and boom, you're you're I, I always wondered about that. It's like is there Ah, uh, yeah, kaboom. Just bang, <laughs> you're on. Okay.
3: Yeah, you know, some people some people I've heard get lucky and they actually have a week or so. Not me. You know, during during season four, uh basically they you know, they were stacked pretty tight. I was on the the magic season when they went from ten scheduled episodes to forty. Uh, Yeah, right after my episode aired, the network bought another 10 episodes, and then they bought another 10, and then they bought another 20, and then they bought another season.
0: Because the show's Um, awesome.
3: Yeah, uh, we were, uh, I think we were between number 9 and number 11 on the non-scripted show ratings. Hmm. Pretty much consistently for, I don't know if if it was still there, but, uh, you know. Uh, season three through season five uh, consistently ranked between number nine and number eleven as far as uh, non-scripted show ratings.
0: Well, that's because of situations like yours. I mean, you—you you, the drama. I mean, I was what—that was the Aquafina. Yes. So you you built the first one, didn't quite work, and then you had to start again with two yep. days
3: left. I took five pieces of ten eighty four, and none of them was longer than about that. Um, Forge welded them up into a really thick billet and then drew them out by hand um, because I didn't have a power hammer or a press. Um, Were the other contestants using presses and power hammers? Or? Uh, Brock had a the other, yeah. At the finals, Brock had a slightly smaller version of big blue at the shop that he was using. Okay. Do you so have a power to...
2: hammer now? And
3: uh... <laughs> I just finally finished the press that I was originally going to build so that I could win Forge and Fire. of oh, this summer. Oh, okay. uh, four years ago that
2: I was. <laughs> I'm familiar with projects like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I meant
0: to ask you about Brock. He was an an interesting character. Is that somebody that you've kept in touch with?
3: In, in, oh, yeah. Yeah yeah I, we don't, we don't talk too often but uh yeah you know, it's it's sort of like he, he's my brother from another mother at this point <laughs> yeah you know? uh when we when we do run into each other um like a blade show or something like that yeah you know, it's like we just left the bar yesterday I've
0: seen it a lot on the show where you know there's a lot of camaraderie and I always wondered if that was genuine because obviously sometimes there would be and sometimes there wouldn't be there's always exceptions, but um, with with your episode, I remember watching it thinking, I wonder if they still keep in touch because Brock was a definitely a, a creative I mean he wore leathers and he had his his little what was it, a flask or something that he had with him. And- oh yeah drinking horn
3: yeah yeah uh, yeah, he wore chain mail, he wore uh, the drinking horn <laughs> uh, hes uh, he's a red fair blacksmith. What is that? There's a couple different rent fairs. Oh, okay. 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 Gotcha.
0: Renaissance fair. Yeah.
3: So uh yeah, he his his normal work clothes are you know, some sort of a Renaissance fair costume. And God. uh he's he's got this huge personality. He's a great guy. Um after after I won, we were you know, wandering around uh, wandering around Queens killing time before uh, you know because we, we weren't we weren't gonna be getting on the airplane till the next day so it's like all right we won we got dumped back in Queens now what are we gonna do <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah it's Sunday afternoon and everything's pretty much closed we're wandering around and uh, stop into a burger joint and uh, yeah I left the table for a minute Brock paid the bill. <laughs> Even though I'd just beaten him out of 10,000 bucks. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, I probably yeah. wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, nice guy. He's, he's truly a gentleman. And, uh, yeah, I have uh, absolutely nothing bad I could possibly say about him. Uh, he made one strategic bad choice. Um going for what he perceived to be the more historically accurate construction um and putting the holes right in the middle of his blade where the the blade was blade structures mainly made out of wrought iron whereas i was going for all right what is going to make this the strongest and still have the holes that i need to uh pass the 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 parameters
0: Yes, yeah, because his bent, I believe.
3: His bent, it has and I, bent, and then straightened.
0: Oh, okay. Straightened back after the, the last test.
3: Right. Yeah. It, it bent <laughs> on the first <laughs> test on the bamboo test, and then on the kill test, it straightened. Okay. <laughs> I just
0: I just love that show. Aurora, have you ever? You have never watched it? I can. I, I
1: I've never watched it. I'm actually really curious to see what the prize winning sword was. Like, do you have a picture yeah. of it that you look? Do
2: you still have it?
3: Uh, actually the studio has it.
2: Oh, the studio has it. Okay.
3: The studio keeps all yeah, the blades, and, don't they? Yeah, well they keep all the winning blades. The season 4 they started shipping back the runner-up blades Ooh. to the uh the finalist. So, I actually finally at Blade Show uh 2 years after our episode was done, finally got to get a good look at uh, Brock's blade because he brought it to Blade Show.
0: Right
3: on. Okay, because uh, Literally, when they're filming, you don't really get to... Uh, they hand you the blades for the standing in front of the judge. But other than that, they're across the room from you. Um,
0: well, they don't want a so, contestant getting all pissed off and going hatching at
3: people. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't win! Um, I don't think it's even <laughs> that. Uh, I don't think it's that really at all. I mean, Every once in a blue moon you hear of a contestant... Uh, yeah, you know, kind of having an attitude issue, shall we say? But that's extremely rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, our the Fortune Fire community is overall such a friendly group. It's one of the things I constantly hear from the fans is that they love the show because of the camaraderie and the sportsmanship. Um, it's very rare, extremely rare, that. Anybody visibly has an attitude issue,
0: um, yeah.
3: especially on camera. Well,
0: on camera, I've not seen anything. So, And I think I've watched almost all of them at this point. Uh, big fan. Big, big fan. Definitely want to try it. And I won't be using these now, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's other things you, you can use those for. I'll yeah, put back good. at the railroad.
3: Yeah, yeah, get somebody to show you how to weld and make a hat rack with them or something.
0: <laughs> okay, cool.
3: Um,
0: I think we're about at oh, the speakers. point of. Work. Oh yeah! Oh. Show us. Oh,
3: show us something. Oh.
1: Ooh.
3: Ooh, cool.
1: What nice. is that?
3: This is a mermaid cutlass. Um, bring a little bit of light over. So you can kind of see the seashell guards on this. Thing. Yeah. To- yep. Just the yeah. light. There we go. A little bit better light now.
1: Neat. So,
3: when I found out I was going on Knife for Death,
0: is that the knife you used?
3: Uh no, it was. Uh, I actually made two. Okay. For Knife for Death, they uh, gave me a weekend to make a sword. From the time they told me I was going on the show. Uh, Before I had to have it at FedEx. And I didn't have the steel I wanted to use. Uh, It was still in shipment. And the oil I wanted to do the heat treat with. Was still in shipment. But they sent me a shipping label. For that Monday. So I made. uh, Competition falchion. Version one. sent it off to them. And then the following weekend. When the steel I actually wanted to use for the sword and the heat treating oil came in on a Saturday. I was like, all right, I have my steel now. Can I make another sword? I heard nothing. I heard nothing. Then I got a shipping label for that Monday. Oh, nice. Wow. So I had 14 hours to make that sword. And that was the red handled sword. I sent you guys a picture of that uh, was the one I used on knife for death. But so the, uh, the blade that i made first and sent them never got used so when i got it back i decided i had to teach a casting class uh you know how to do bronze casting for the Shokan seminar which is a uh, a smithing seminar done at the Shokan field campus every year um formerly of New Paltz now it's actually owned by the Shokan foundation they do amazing work there. They they host the inner city kids for, you know, wilderness nature retreats and teach them a whole bunch of things. But that's sort of a side thing. Um, just doing a plug for the Ashokin Center nope, Foundation. No, that's cool. Um, but we do the New England Bladesmiths Guild does a, a seminar there every year. And I've had the honor of being allowed to teach there a couple of times. Um, and so I was teaching a casting class and I figured, all right, well, I'm going to cast a help for this cutlass, and my stepdaughter was really into the Little Mermaid, so I cast a, you know, seashell guard on it, and uh, what with a the mermaid theme, so it's the mermaid cutlass. Nice, very cool.
0: Uh, things like that are what make it mean more. I mean, obviously, it's for your daughter and for something that's super important. So, love that. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite kind of blade? Um
3: sharp. When <laughs> it works, when it nice. doesn't break. <laughs> nice. Um I don't know. I've uh yeah, I'm a fan of swept tilt rapiers. Um I got into fencing in the Society for Creative Anachronism, did that for years, make swept tilt rapiers for for that. Um I also love cutlasses because you know pirates and yeah and, <laughs> and all that. Um See
0: like the big, the, the big
3: blades. Yeah, well, actually, cutlasses aren't that big. Are I bad? just did a boarding cutlass uh, over the summer that the uh, blade on it's fifteen inches. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess on ship shot, you wouldn't want anything too yeah, big. Yeah, close quarters. That. Yeah. If you've yeah. ever been on a sailing ship, I mean, I got married on a sailing ship. Um, okay. But the passageways oh. below decks are uh, pretty tiny.
0: Yeah, you, you don't want to be trying to right now <laughs> he's, he's on a cruise as we speak uh,
3: yeah i got i got married on uh, the schooner lewis r french uh, the oldest wind jamming schooner in the main wind fleet wow. nice wow. french awesome. is i believe at this point over 100 years old hmm. and uh absolutely fantastic ship yeah,
0: Ryan and, uh, is
3: not on
0: such a cool ship right now.
2: <laughs> no, it it like, is, but, you know, no, a no, no, it's a different kind of cool.
3: Yeah, but, you know, the old wooden ships, the, the, everything below decks is, you know, small, yeah. and there isn't a whole lot of uh, clearance if you wanted to be swinging a giant sword around. So, you know, cutlasses were in the, uh, like, 16 to 24-inch range, typically. Okay. Um, Because, you know, you try swinging something 30, 40 inches long below decks, and you're going to get hung up on everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. That makes sense. And curve Um, blades cut really well. Yeah, they do. I like uh, (laughs) Kukri. My father
0: has one that I'm going to be getting from him one day. But uh, –
3: I yeah, think I've only made one one Kukri, and that was round one.
0: That's what I was wondering. So I was actually expecting you to say something like that, because everybody seems to say the Kukri when you ask them. But that's uh, – w- was that a pain in the butt or what?
3: Uh Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went on, having watched seasons one through three, you know, expecting that I was going to be making – Signature blade in my signature, signature style. style. Yeah. And uh, I had figured out what part of the car I was going to sell. You know, salvage the steel from. Yeah. Everybody goes for leaf springs, but usually those have a lot of cracks in them, things like that. If you go That's for the sway weird. bars, they're typically made out of the same metal, but don't take anywhere near as much stress as a leaf spring does. So they're much less likely to have fractures and nobody's going for them. Hmm. But then I get on, and uh, I got uh, Jason Knight, and I have to make Jason Knight's signature blade, which is the Kukri. And I have to make it out of an inch-and-a-half diameter piece of uh, O1 tool steel. Inch-and-a-half. Sorry, no, inch-and-a-half, two inches. It it felt like it was the size of a soup can. <laughs> so I had to take you out know, this this piece of metal that was you know, massive around and very short and stretch it out into a blade.
2: A curved blade. To meet yes, Jason uh, out
3: here. and then down for the kukri. Right. The big heavy
0: front. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the, I think we're at the point where we are going to ask you the three questions because at the end Uh-oh. of every episode we have three questions. But before we do that, I'm going to throw it to a The airspeed Walmart.
3: velocity of a, an unladen swallow?
1: African or <laughs>
0: or
1: I European. I African or ah! European.
0: <laughs> um, do you guys have any questions for Paige before we get to our three questions
1: mark do you have a question
2: um you know what no i think i'm good it's i'm just really interested in in your answer so far so i'm i'm looking forward to the, i know the answer to one of the three questions because it's here in the notes but the other two <laughs> i i don't even think you know the question so
0: <laughs> nope not yet yeah.
1: I am um, uh, curious because you said you um, not only forge weapons like knives and swords and stuff like that, you do jewelry as well. I do. Uh, so like, oh, very neat. Um, so a how does that differ from the process of making like a knife or a, oh, neat. Yes. Sword. Oh, wow. Oh, very nice. Because jewelry is so delicate, right, uh, in a lot of cases.
3: In a lot of cases.
1: Wow.
0: Your camera um, does well for that.
3: <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, I can't thanks. do anything with my camera. It's
0: <laughs> focusing right away.
3: I'm using I'm using a video camcorder with uh, an adapter to go from HDMI to USB. And uh, I'm using
0: okay. a 3000 camera here, man. This is like <laughs> this, is, this should be working. Yeah. Just right now. Now,
3: now, now I gotta it try
2: it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know it's still on me. Never mind. Sixty nine ninety
3: nine on. Uh, take away from <laughs> the yeah, yeah I've, question. Got, question. I've got three webcams as uh, as uh, as backups. So for doing the jewelry. So. This is, well, hold up, so the camera can see it. Light it so the camera can see it. So these little punches here actually become what strikes the metal in a lot of cases.
1: Wow. So it's much much smaller. Yeah.
3: Uh, But they, they basically act the same way as... The face of the hammer um, so when I'm doing the, when I'm doing the work and now is now is where I find that uh, my my props are uh, astray okay, so this this is a, this is a piece for a cornet that I'm doing that is based on. The, the crown of Anne uh, of Bavaria or Bohemia or something like that that I photographed in the museum in Germany. Cool. So this started out as a piece of flat copper, and I put it in a bowl of pine pitch. Which I use a torch to melt so it gets a little bit soft oh cool and pliable so it will support the work I also use that that torch for a lot of uh, jewelry soldering um annealing things like that so I stick that in there. And if I was actually sticking it in to work it, I would submerge it so the whole thing is supported. Um, Wow. Ball's cold, so it takes a little while to actually get some heat going on it.
0: That is the coolest little torch.
3: To loosen it up. But I heat up the surface and it not only holds, but it actually supports the work and uh, allows some of the work to move. And some of the work, the the work that is not being directly pushed by the tool to stay put. So now this is in there. Hold it so this can see it. Try to make it a little easier to see. Oh, yeah. There you go. Now you can see it. Use my lighting training. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) So then I take these little little tools here, and this pitch ball would be actually sitting in a support, and I would have my funny glasses on, so you can see, and yeah. if I could so see, small. and uh, basically use these tools with a small hammer called a chasing hammer to forge the metal. The same as forging the hot steel, except that jewelry metals want to be worked cold. They don't want to be worked hot. But it's still forging. It's just a completely different scale.
1: Yeah, Looks so pretty neat. cool. <laughs>
3: I, I do show and tell. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Love it. I used to do, used to do like show and tell. I used to do street, street performances. So, yeah, I was a musician, and I did street theater for two summers.
1: There you go.
3: Very nice.
0: cool. <laughs> all right. Well, that was beautiful. Thank you very much for showing us that. Uh, Aurora, anything else
3: you'd like to ask?
1: No, no. That's awesome. Thanks so much. <laughs>
3: cool. Yeah, that was cool. I awesome. hope it wasn't too much of a lunatic ramble.
2: Nope. No, no, no. Perfect. Not at all.
0: No. All right, so now we have to ask
3: you the questions. And the first
0: question, you know the answer to. Um, the question that we like to ask all of our guests would be, would you like to issue a challenge or what challenge would you like to issue to our viewers if they want to get into the same kind of career path as you or just in general, a, a challenge that you think would be good for anybody to take on? One of
3: the – well, it's sort of, it's a two-part challenge. Hello, cat Just passed yeah, that's, by. <laughs> there she goes. There's Dixie. So, I I have two challenges, actually, because, yeah, I could never stay focused on one thing. So, two challenges. One, take something that was uh, an important part of your past, piece of work you did. You may not be happy with it now. You may be. Who knows? But go back and revisit it. You know, revisit what you did, but not doing it as you did it initially, but doing it as you would do it now. About every 10 or 15 years or so, I take another stab at uh, this basic knife design. And, uh, you know, how would I approach a knife that, you know, basically is a current how I work version of this knife. That was the first knife I ever made. And uh, it's an interesting way to kind of keep track of how far I've come creatively, technically, um, especially technically.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, But, you know, going back to some of the, some of the ideas and some of the design uh, concepts that drove the original piece and how I would approach them today. That's uh challenge. Number one, uh, challenge. Number two, I tell my students that failure is one of the best teaching tools. Somebody asked, uh, ABS master Smith, Kevin Cashin, and uh, something about, you know, blades that, uh, yeah, has has he ever made blades that didn't work? And he said something about, uh, you yeah, know, he's got a whole field full of them. <laughs> yeah. Doing, uh, doing something that doesn't work is actually of great value if you use that to assess what went wrong and fine tune your process control so it doesn't go wrong again. So go to something that failed. Revisit it with what you've learned since it failed. You know, start over and carry it through to completion.
1: Love it. Those are both great examples, and it can be applied to in many different creative facets, like photography, music, you know, art making, paint, like whatever. Uh, I I think it can be applied to so many different things. That's awesome.
0: I agree. Actually, uh, when I'm teaching photography, one of the things I do is a technique I call as if, aperture, shutter speed, ISO, focal length. It's a way of looking at an image, looking at how you created that image, and then kind of building up a, a muscle memory of how you did it and what worked and what didn't, comparing this one to that one. But reviewing the work you've done is really important. And yes, Dixie is now, paying me a visit. There she is. <laughs> and if I do this to her, if for longer than a couple seconds, she will probably bite me. So I will put her down.
1: <laughs> so cute.
2: There she is. She's a good girl. Yeah. So is the cat. I'm
3: yes?
1: surprised I haven't been visited
3: by Cersei. <laughs> she must be. Uh, she must be camped out on my wife. Bye. <laughs> uh, because I'm in the ready. middle. I'm
0: I'm in the middle of like. Her, 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 her—what I call the condo—so she can sit up there and look out the window, Um, and the rest of the world. uh, I'm just like a midway point that she stops off at once in a while. So just let her do her. Sounds
2: about right for a cat.
0: Yeah, yeah, just let her do her. Especially a (laughs) tuxedo. Yeah, no kidding. Is yours crazy too, Uh, Cersei? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a tuxedo kind of trait. Yeah, they know
2: they're cats. They're all crazy.
0: She's got a bit of a psycho in her. Uh, but but the, tortoise shell, the tortoise shell that we had, Angel, she was 22, 23 years old, whatever, and she was the sweetest little cat, not a not a bitey bone in her body. And then this one, all bitey bones. Anyway, <laughs> back to the questions. Uh, next question we have for you is question uh, three. Something you're not familiar with. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we ask all of our guests these two last questions without them knowing what they are. But if any of them watched our show, they would know the answer to this. And so far, nobody has. So. <laughs> I don't
2: know whether to be happy or sad about
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's actually good because it gives us a, a surprise question to people. Yeah,
1: it's element so, of surprise.
0: Exactly. So hopefully, so,
3: your, hopefully your audio doesn't cut out while
1: you're asking. Oh, <laughs> geez.
0: Okay, so I'll make it quick. And if I do cut out, then Aurora can ask the question. What the question is? Um, what's so your jam? Trust me. What's that song that gets you going every day? What's your jam? That the the tune that. You can't skip forward past it. It just makes you happy every time you hear it. You give a five-star rating every opportunity you can. Uh, it just makes your life better.
3: Wow. Um, that's a tough one. You can't uh, say Jethro tall, because uh, we've already talked. <laughs> <more>. <laughs> i I pick it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, actually, I was thinking more in the you know, more more along lines of like Deep Purple, yeah. Um, you know, Very good. Something like Highway Star. You know, Highway, Highway yeah. Star is a get-up-and-go rocker.
2: Yeah, good um, tune. Yeah.
3: You know, for for something really mellow, you know, and serious and introspective, but one of my absolute favorite songs, I'd go with uh, "A Child in Time." Who's
0: that? Is that Deep Purple?
3: That's also Deep Purple. Child in Time. I'm gonna look it up. Yep, and uh, yeah, if you want something that's just you know, just absolute boogie blues, um, lazy, off of the uh, the Made in Japan live album. I've Very worn cool. out seven copies on Vital of that album. <laughs> nice.
0: How many needles? That's the real question.
3: <laughs>
0: um, that's the expensive part. all right so the the last question of the night before we let you go will be um a little different maybe i don't know um i always start off the conversation like this i say in the world of photography everybody tends to do these what's in my bag videos like this is the cool stuff i bring with me when i do a shoot (laughs) um i don't really do what's in my bag kind of thing i i did one and i don't know why i did but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me (laughs) What we like to find out, though, is what is important to you in your day-to-day? What tool of the trade, let's say, will you find um, you use more than anything else? And it doesn't have to be a physical tool. It could be anything. Just what do you find is a perfect tool that helps you in your day-to-day?
3: Wow. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, considering how many different things I do, you know, between the jewelry and the bladesmithing, you know for for the jewelry I you know obviously now that I'm old <laughs> these, but you know the this torch and my pitch ball, you know this pitch ball I've been using the same ball with the same pitch in it, yeah, you know, add a little bit more every once in a while when it starts to you know get a little bit low um literally since nineteen eighty seven Wow, so you know, I've cool. uh, I've got a lot of mileage out of that cast iron ball with a bunch of pie tar. That would <laughs> definitely
0: be the tool of the trade for but sure. Yeah,
3: uh, probably to narrow it down to one thing that encompasses all of it: fire.
0: Fire is a tool, and
3: fire, fire wraps, it,
0: wraps it all up. <laughs> and
3: Mark, you froze. <laughs> it wasn't me this time. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: he's really frozen, eh? Yeah,
3: he's frozen good. Yeah. Wow. wow. And that, that expression, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that but Yeah, I fire do? is a tool. <laughs> Am I back? Yeah, you're, you're, back.
2: Back. Yeah, you're, you're back. back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I heard you
3: pick it on me. Yeah, fire Brian, is a tool.
2: Ryan, grab that as a screenshot and send it to me. Right? Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll do that for you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good.
2: Sorry, what were you saying, though, Mark? Oh, I say, fire wraps it all up. That's just awesome. Yeah, right. Awesome. So the whole thing. So that's perfect.
0: And that's pretty much it for us for tonight. Um, yeah. Paige, thank you so much, man. It's been really great <laughs> chatting with you, and getting to know you, um, hearing how you work, and hearing all the things that motivate you. I think that's something that a lot of people um, need to hear, especially people that want to get into forging or working with hey, it. And now you're of... froze.
2: <laughs> oh, now Brian's frozen He was just saying, <laughs> "Are you still there, Brian?"
0: I'm here. You're here. Okay. And now you're back. Yeah, back. And now you're back. Okay, perfect. Some sort of weird thing going on. Yeah, go but ahead. Anyway. We should
2: probably just like cut it and go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. <See ya>. uh, <laughs> for, so. Let me uh, grab a oh he's
2: got something to cut it with. Perfect. <laughs> there you go, slice. <laughs> all, right.
0: all right. Well, that's it for us, everybody. Thank you all so much for watching. Uh Aurora, thanks for coming during your manager's meeting. Appreciate that. That's awesome. And Mark, as always, thank you, sir, for being here. Paige, one last time. Thank you very much. I look over here because my screen's over here, but I'm really <laughs> talking to you. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you hey, for, for doing this. Sharp. Stay sharp. Perfect. Love it. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.
2: Take care. Thanks, Paige. ooh,
0: a hair hear from Dixie. There she is, and there she goes. All right, <laughs> <laughs> that was my cat. <laughs> right up to the condo.